peace, Lord. We can really feel the presence of God in this place this morning. And I know that um, God has um, set up the word this morning. God has, through the through the tongue interpretation, through the through the songs that we've sung, God wants to do something in this place. The title of this message is Open Your Heart. It's called Open Your Heart. When we talk about a heart, we immediately think of that organ in our body that pumps, that, that drives the blood through the body. And that blood is what gives the body oxygen and nutrients and helps to take away some waste matter out of the body. It's something that goes through. It provides life. It provides um, health to our bodies. Without the heart pumping, there is no blood flow and no oxygen and nutrients getting to the entire body and waste matter builds up. The end result is death and the medical profession calls that a heart attack. When your heart is no longer able to pump, is no longer able to, to pull that blood through the body and, and cause it to um, live and thrive and survive. We need blood to survive, but if that blood isn't flowing through our bodies, it's not much use to us. A correctly functioning heart is vital to staying alive. And that's something we know, it's something that we've learned from a very young age. Our hearts are very, very important. In the same way, when the Bible talks about our heart, it's talking about our deepest desires and emotions, what drives us forward. If our heart is open to God and allows, even encourages the blood of Jesus to flow through to every part of our lives, then the blood of Jesus can do its vital work to keep us alive spiritually. If our heart is right spiritually, then the Holy Ghost and the Bible can feed us and keep us alive spiritually, just like the oxygen, just like... Um, the nutrients and giving us, keeping us alive, as well as helping to take away impurities out of our lives as well. But if our heart is blocked spiritually, then, the area, then there are areas of our lives that are dead to the moving of God's Spirit, and there's no way for Jesus to heal that part because He hasn't been allowed in. Those dead areas don't just stay dead by themselves, but there is a flow-on effect where your heart becomes more and more blocked and you are unable to let the blood of Jesus into any part of your life. And when that happens, spiritual, spiritual death inevitably follows. If we could all turn to Hebrews chapter 3, and we'll start from verse 7. So we're talking about our hearts. We're talking about our hearts being open to God and to the moving and to what he would speak to us. Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 7. It starts, Wherefore, as the Holy Ghost saith, Today, if ye will hear his voice, harden not your hearts as in the provocation, in the day of temptation in the wilderness. And it's talking about the Israelites when they rebelled against God, when they, they chose not to trust in him, not to believe in him, and they went their own way. They decided to do their own thing and didn't trust in God. When your fathers tempted me, proved me, and saw my works 40 years, the Israelites wandering 40 years in the wilderness because 
uh, they rejected God. Wherefore I was grieved with that generation and said, They do always err in their heart, and they have not known my ways. So I swear in my wrath they shall not enter into my rest. Those Israelites, all of the ones that had rebelled against God at that time, they died in the wilderness. They didn't go into the land that God had promised them because their heart was hardened against God, because they didn't believe. Their heart wasn't open to something new, wasn't open to what God wanted to do in their lives and in their, in their people at that time. Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. We know that sin is very deceitful. It, gets, it can get in, it can get a hold of us if we're not guarded, if our hearts are not guarded against these things. For we are made partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast unto the end. It's not a once-in-a-lifetime thing that you do, but it's an ongoing process day by day. We keep our hearts open. We let Jesus talk to us. We let Jesus into our lives so that he can change us, so that he can mold us, so that he can make us more like him, so that he can make us a better person. While it is said, today if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts as in the provocation. For some, when they had heard, did provoke. They rebelled. They decided not to listen to the voice of God. Howbeit not all that came out of Egypt by Moses. But with whom was he grieved forty years? Was it not with them that had sinned, whose carcasses fell in the wilderness? And to whom swear he that they should not enter into his rest, but to them that believed not? So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. That is one of the biggest things that we need to guard our hearts against, unbelief. When we start on this walk with God, when we, we come to God, there is a faith, there is a belief in God that is built up. But as time goes on, if we don't guard our hearts, if we aren't sensitive to God's Spirit, then our hearts can start to harden. Our hearts can start to to uh, resist against God and, and we lose our faith, we lose our trust, we lose our belief that God is leading us in the right direction. And then in the next chapter it says, Let us therefore fear, lest a promise being left us of entering into His rest, into heaven, into paradise, any view should seem to come short of it. For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them. But the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. So they heard the word of God, just like we've heard the word of God, but they didn't listen. They didn't open their hearts. They didn't let God do the work that he wanted to do. And in Ephesians, starting at 4, verse 17, it says, This I say therefore and testify in the Lord, that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk, in the vanity of their mind, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. He's talking to a church here. He's saying, don't be like the world. Don't do the same things as the world. Don't uh, listen to the world. Don't uh, let the, the, the stuff of the world get in your heart and rest in your heart because that's going to cause blindness in your heart. Who being past feeling have given themselves over unto lasciviousness or uncleanness to work all uncleanness with greediness. But ye have not so learned Christ. If so be that ye have heard him and have been taught by him, 
as the truth is in Jesus. To be taught by Jesus, your heart has to be open. You have to be receptive. You have to be willing to listen to God when He speaks to you. That you put off concerning the former conversation, the old way of life, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. God wants to lead us into righteousness. God wants to lead us into a path and into a way that will make us a better person, that will make us more like Him, that will make us able to go to heaven in the end. Your heart is what drives you and connects you to God's Spirit, or doesn't connect you to God's Spirit, whatever the case might be. If your heart is open and sensitive to Jesus, He'll talk to you. But if your heart is closed and filled with the things of the earth or wickedness, you'll miss out on God's voice and direction because there's, there's nothing to receive what God is saying. There's nothing to allow God into your heart. But there are times that Jesus will start to speak into our hearts when we're not expecting it. In Luke uh, chapter 24 and verse 13, this was after Jesus had, had died, he was buried, and he w- had been risen again, but not everybody knew this at this time. It says, And behold, two of them, two of Jesus' disciples, went that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was from Jerusalem about three score furlongs. Um, can't convert that because um, I, I haven't worked that one out. Um, but it's a... Uh, it's, uh, it's, it's a, a way away from Jerusalem anyway. And they're traveling back. And they talked together all of these things which had happened, Jesus' death. And they were, were disappointed. They were sad. They thought that this was the Messiah. They thought that this was the one that would deliver Israel. And it came to pass that while they communed together and reasoned, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were holding that they should not know him. They didn't know that Jesus was actually walking beside them. And he said unto them, What manner of communications are these that ye have one to another as ye walk and are sad? We're saying, What are you you talking about? uh, why, Why are you so sad? What is your conversation about? And the one of them whose name was Cleopas answering said unto him, Art thou only a stranger in Jerusalem and hast not known the things which are come to pass in these days? And he said unto them, what things? And they said unto him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, which was a prophet mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and have crucified him. Those people that they looked up to, to be the spiritual leaders, they were the ones that had crucified this man who was actually God manifest in the flesh. But we trusted that it had been he which should have redeemed Israel. And beside all this, today is the third day since these things were done. He said, how, they were basically saying, how can you have not heard about this? This, this has gone abroad. This, everybody knows what is done. Yea, and certain women also of our company made us astonished, which were early at the sepulchre. And when they found not his body, they came, saying that they had also seen a vision of angels, which said that he was alive. And certain of them which were with us went, to the sepulchre and found it even so as the women had said, but him they saw not. 
so they were talking about these strange happenings, these things that weren't normal. Jesus had been crucified. Surely he was still in the grave. They had no idea what was going on. And so they were discussing this. They were sad, but they were wondering what on earth was happening. It was something strange. It was something peculiar. It was something that, that no one had ever really heard about before in their lives. Then he said unto them, O fools, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken, or not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory. And then Jesus started to teach them. Their hearts were open. Their hearts were receptive to what God would say to them. They were wondering. They were asking about it. They were asking questions. They, they were talking about it. Their hearts were open. They wanted to know more about what was going on in Jerusalem at that time. And as they drew nigh unto the village whither they went, and they drew nigh unto the village whither they went, and he made as though he would have gone further. But they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is far spent. And he went in to tarry with them. And it came to pass, as he sat at meat with them, he took bread and blessed it and brake and gave to them. This was the way that Jesus had done it in the past when he was with them. They recognized the way that Jesus broke bread. And their eyes were opened, and they knew him, and he vanished out of their sight. And they said one to another, Did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us by the way and while he opened to us the Scriptures? Just like the two disciples, God starts speaking to us and our heart starts burning. Not literally, but when God, because <laughs> that would be quite dangerous, but when God starts speaking to us, we can feel a stirring in our spirit. We can start to feel God's presence. We can start to feel something moving inside of us that maybe we've never felt before. Our own body and our spirit wants to respond to Jesus. From deep within, we want to respond to Jesus because we can feel this stirring. We can feel this presence of God inside of us. But we hold off. We get afraid. We're not sure what's going on, especially if it's the first time you've ever felt it. You have no idea what's going on. It's something strange. It's something weird, something that has never happened to you before in your life. Just like the disciples on the road to Emmaus, these were strange things that happened. They didn't know what was going on, but they kept their hearts open. They kept their hearts open that even though it was strange, even though it was something that they weren't used to, even though it was something that they had no idea what was going on, they were still able to listen to God teaching them. We get afraid we're not sure what is going on. We've never felt anything like this before. Maybe instinctively we know that there will be a change when we respond to God. And just like most people, we get comfortable with the way we are. Most people are happy in their own skin. Most people are happy with where they are at, or at least they tell themselves that or try to believe it. But when you're without Jesus, you're never truly happy. You see, change can be a scary thing. And for most people, um, it's, it's a big thing. One of the, the biggest uh, problems in organizations that want to move ahead and want to grow is the resistance to change. People get happy with the way things are. People get happy with the way that things have always been done in their lives, and they don't want to change. They just want to keep doing the, th the, the things that they've done Again, over and over again, because they're comfortable, because they know that there's going to be a difference. There's going to be some 
something that makes them uncomfortable with this process of change. And speaking and talking to God when you haven't been brought up in the church or even heard much about the Bible can seem strange and even eerie. It's something that you've never, you've never done before, and so it's something strange. That's because there's nothing natural about God and His presence. Not to a person who's lived their lives away from God and His presence. You see, this natural world is made up of what we can see, hear, touch, taste, or smell. Those are our five senses. But God can't be found with any of our five senses. God doesn't have a physical form because He is a spirit. So we can't see, hear, touch, taste, or smell Him in any physical sense. And that is something that, to anyone who's outside of God, that's strange. That is something that is unusual. That is something that is unnatural in many ways. So that alone makes it a strange and unusual thing for us. So God speaks to us by reaching out to our spirits. And this can be strange and uncomfortable for anyone who doesn't know God. Sometimes God even causes us to hear an audible voice within our minds when He especially wants to, to know, wants to let us know something big. God has many ways that He can and does use to show us that He is real. But we have to be open to Him. You see, God will never force us to believe in Him. God will speak to your spirit. He will cause your heart to burn as you listen. And He will reveal things to you. But if you stubbornly refuse to believe in God or that He exists, He'll let you go your own way. He will reach out to you, but He won't ever force you to believe in Him or to choose Him. You see, God wants most of all people that will choose to believe in Him and follow Him. That's why He gave us a free will in the first place, to choose whatever path we desire. If God wanted robots that were forced to serve Him and give Him praise, He would have created robots. Um, praise you, Jesus. And then next five minutes. Okay, it's been five minutes since I've praised you. Praise you, Jesus. That is not what God wants. That is not what God designed us for. He wanted us to choose to worship Him. He wanted us to choose to serve Him. He wanted us to choose to follow Him and to listen to Him and just have our hearts open to Him when He speaks to us. But God created people instead of robots and allowed us our own free wills to even believe that there is no God at all. Even though that must hurt Him so very, very much. See, wouldn't you want to be recognized for doing something great? God created the entire universe, the world we live in, and all the thousands of different species of animals that exist in the world today. He created us. He gave you the life and the breath that is in your nostrils and lungs right now. And yet many choose to completely reject all of the evidence that God has given to us that He is real. They choose to believe that there is no God. They get, have people, scientists tell them that there is no God because they themselves believe that there is no God. And so more and more people are choosing to believe, well, no belief at all that there is no God. But many, maybe even all people, will have experiences during their lives that will shake their beliefs that there is no God. 
I work with and, and my immediate boss at work is an atheist. But he says he's an atheist which is, which is open to the fact that there might be something out there. And there are reasons for that. See, he is an atheist. He, he has believed um, that there hasn't been a God for probably many, many years. I never actually asked him how long he has actually believed that. But it would have been many years, maybe all of his life. But then there was something that happened to, to him, one particular thing that kind of made him stop and think uh, for a bit, I believe. He was driving his car, just like normal. Uh, his car was just like normal. And he was about to pull into a, um, into a parking space in the shopping center. And then he heard a voice in his mind say, say uh, just drive through the shopping center. Don't, don't park, just drive through. He was saying, well, that's strange. And so um, he, he decided, well, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll listen to that. Um, he, he had no idea what was going on. And so he drove, drove, drove past the parking space, and, and the voice said, spoke to him in his mind again, and he said, uh, he said go out of the parking lot and, and turn onto the main road. And so, so he said, okay, I'll, I'll do that. And so he did that. And then, uh, and then he was driving along that road, and... And, uh, and the voice said, now hit your brakes. And so he hit his brakes, and his brakes had completely failed. He would have had an accident, um, and he probably wouldn't have been going at huge speed in the parking lot, but that was something that made him stop and think that maybe there is something out there that, that he wasn't aware of. And so he's almost hedging his bets in a way, but um, he, he doesn't believe in God, but... He's had an experience that made him think that maybe there is more to this life. Maybe there is something out there that is, is, is not of this world. You see, God reaches out to people bit by bit, but he never forces us to believe or to choose him. He will reach out to our spirits, but he will never override our wills. He gave us a will in the, in the first place. We must choose to be open to Him. And when we are open to Him, that's when our lives will change for the better. You see, after Jesus died and He rose again from the dead, there were some of Jesus' disciples that had their hearts open to God. These disciples had just seen Jesus rise up into heaven and they'd been told to go to Jerusalem and to wait for power from a from God, this power that would cause them to be witnesses to those around them. They had no idea what was going to happen. This was something strange. This was something new. This was something that had never happened before in their lives or even in the history of the world. But they went and they prayed anyway. They opened their hearts and they allowed God to do something in them. And let's see what happened. In Acts chapter 1 and verse 12, it says, Then returned they unto Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is from Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey. And when they all come in, they went up into an upper room, where abode both Peter and James and John and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus, and Simon Zelotes, and Judas the brother of James. So all of the 11 disciples were there. Um, Judas, of course, having hung himself um, in, in the meantime, 
And then it continues on. These all continue with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brethren. And in those days, Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples and said, the number of the names together were about 120. So there were 120 disciples that had followed Jesus, that had gone and, and seen him ascend up into heaven, that um, were told to go to Jerusalem, wait for power from on high. And so they were obedient. They listened to what God said, and they kept their hearts open for what God would do. And then a bit further down in Acts chapter 2, it says, And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it sat upon each of them. This was something strange. This was something unusual. This was something that had never happened before. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. They spake in a language that they had never learned, that they had never uh, even perhaps, or they, they would have heard it before because they were speaking in the languages of everyone around them, but they spoke in a language that they had never been able to learn before. This quite naturally caused quite a stir in Jerusalem, with some thinking that these 120 people were drunk, that they were just just uh, staggering around drunk and, and not knowing what they were doing. But then in Acts 2, 2 and 14 it says, But Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them, Ye men of Judea, and all ye that dwell at Jerusalem, be this known unto you, and hearken to my words. For these are not drunken, as ye suppose, seeing is but the third hour of the day. It's about nine o'clock in the morning. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. And then a little bit further down, it says... And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. We heard in the tongue of interpretation this morning to call out on Jesus. To call out on Jesus. And he is the one that will change you. He is the one that will save you. Peter continued his sermon. He preached to these, these Jews at Jerusalem. And he let them know that they had crucified the Messiah that had been prophesied about hundreds of years beforehand. Messiah finally came, and they had crucified him. In Acts 2 and 37, it says, Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart. Once again, in their heart, there was something that happened in their heart. They realized what they had done, and they wanted to make amends. They were receptive to what God was trying to tell them. And said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? What shall we do? What can we do to make amends for what we have done? Then Peter said unto them, Repent. Turn away from that life that you, you've been living. Turn away and repent and, and start to follow God and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. To actually take away, to remove the sins from you that you've had in the past, all those sins that have been building up in your life, all those wrong things that you've done, all the bad things that you have ever done, those can be washed away in a moment through the baptism in Jesus' name. 
And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. This gift of speaking in another language, that means that God is actually living inside of you, is something incredible. It's a gift. It's something that we can't buy. It's something that we can't be good enough for. But God offers it as a gift to us. For the promise, this promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Once again, there's that call. God calls. God speaks to people's hearts. God draws within our hearts and speaks to us if we will be open to listen to Him. And with many other words did He testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward generation. We live in a wicked world, in a world that is far more wicked than it was in these days. And we have the ability, we have the option to save ourselves from the wickedness, to save ourselves from this world that is going in one direction all the way to hell. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized. And the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. What happened that day is that around 3,000 people suddenly had God living inside of them. Before this, they had their own direction, their own mistakes, their own past failures, their own private struggles and their things that they couldn't get free from. But suddenly, they had the spirit and the presence of the all... But suddenly... Okay, I can't read my own notes. But suddenly, they had this... They had the... Okay, I really can't read my notes. But suddenly, they had the spirit and the presence of the almighty God that created the universe and everything in it living within them from day to day. Suddenly, they had a power that no one else had before that day. They were promised power, and God delivered on that promise. God always delivers on His promises. With the power of Jesus inside them, they were able to overcome and be completely free from sin. They are over, able to overcome bad and sinful habits that had completely taken hold of them in the past. They tried to change, but they weren't able to. They were able to change things within themselves that had been impossible to change before. Sure, they tried to change. They tried many times, but now, somehow, it was almost easy to change. That's what the gift of the Holy Ghost does to a person. It does for a person. Sure, it seems strange and scary at first, but that's only when you're on the other side. That's only when you haven't experienced it for yourself. When Jesus actually comes inside you and starts living in your si inside your heart, you won't believe the joy, the peace, and the love that will suddenly flood you and replace the hurt, the pain, and the fear that you've had for the whole of your life. You see, there are some things in this life that just have to be experienced before you can even understand what the fuss is all about. How many times have you heard people say, I thought that was going to be stupid, but I gave it a try and it was awesome. You see, when you're looking at something from the outside, it's easy to be a bit or even a lot skeptical of what it is or what is going on. But it's when you actually experience it that you can say, I know what they were talking about now. And Jesus is the same thing. Jesus has to be experienced to be believed. People talk about life-changing drugs, lifestyles, diets, 
But only Jesus has true life-changing power. What the psychologists and the psychiatrists can't change, Jesus can. In 2 Timothy 1 and 7, it says, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. God causes us to have a sound mind, to be sound in our thinking, in the way that we act. What the legal system can't change in hardened criminals, Jesus can. Well, around the world, um, in, in, our, in our churches, there are people, hardened criminals, that have changed their lives completely because of the power of God. What the marriage counselors can't fix, Jesus can. You can go through a list of anything, of, of any problems, of any situations, of anything that, that is in this world. The world can't change it. The world can't deliver people from it. But Jesus can deliver from it. The, Jesus also offers healing. There are, are many ailments and illnesses that the, the world can't, can't deliver from. The world can't cure. But Jesus can. Jesus has healed me from Barma Forest virus. It laid me flat on my back. It's a mosquito-borne virus. It laid me flat on my back for, for um, five months in a row. And if I tried to do anything, then I would get even more exhausted. And it just continued on and on and on. But then Jesus healed me. And the change, the back to normalcy was incredible. This went from one day having no energy and not able to do anything to being able to do things, to being able to get my body moving again and get back to the way that God had originally intended for us, for me to be. And the healing was so complete that there was, I went to a, a general physician later on um, and, uh, and he, 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 he said to me, he said, uh, uh, and he went through blood tests and everything and, and he said, oh, he said, he said, were you, you diagnosed with Barma Forest virus? And I said, yes, yes, I was. And all the symptoms were there, everything was there. And they, they actually tested it. They found it in my blood. And he said, he said, well, there are no markers in your blood for that Obama forest virus. And that is an impossibility. Whenever we go through things, I mean, they were able to tell me at the time I had, they discovered I had Obama forest virus that I had previously had glandular fever. I didn't know I'd had it. But the markers were there in my blood because I'd fought it off and the markers remained. But there were no markers in my blood because Jesus had completely remove that disease from my body. And that is what God offers to all illnesses, to all situations that the doctors can't cure. Jesus offers the only true life-changing experience there is. You can try all sorts of things in the world, but it's not going to change you. It's not going to give you what you need. All of the false advertising of this world has made people into the most critical skeptics of anything. And one of the biggest topics that people are skeptical about is Jesus. Some people think that Jesus didn't even exist. That he's just an invented story by, by people who had something to sell. Other people think that Jesus was just a good man. Because there's enough evidence that he did actually exist. Some people think that Jesus was just a prophet um, sent from God. And others realize that he was the actual son of God, the Messiah, as he really was. But it shouldn't come as a surprise that so many people have so many different opinions. It was the same back in Jesus' day. They didn't realize who he really was. 
In Romans 10 and 6, it says, But the righteousness which is of faith speaketh on this wise, Say not in thine heart, Who shall ascend into heaven? That is to bring Christ down from above. So, in other words, not believing that, that Jesus actually rose into heaven. Roman, and then it says, Or oh, who shall descend into the deep? That is to bring up Christ again from the dead, to say that, well, Christ can't really have died. But what saith it? The, the word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. There needs to be a belief. There needs to be a response to what you feel in your heart. And then God can save you. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, but with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It's no good just believing it, but there needs to be an action. There needs to be uh, something that we do based on what we hear. For the scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. You don't have to be ashamed anymore once you come to Jesus. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek, um, so between the Jew and the non-Jew. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon Him. Once again, call upon Him. There needs to be a call. There needs to be something that comes from within us that cries out to God and says, I don't want to be the same way that I've been for all of my life. I don't want to be who I've been. I don't want to have all the troubles, all of the issues, all of the situations that I've had, but I want to call upon you. I want my life to change for the better. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Before you can be saved, you need to believe. Sister Arlene, if I could get you to the piano, please. Maybe you've been listening to this message and your heart has been burning, just like those two disciples on the road to Emmaus. Maybe you've tried all sorts of things in this world and you haven't had any satisfaction. Maybe you've tried everything to change your life, your circumstances, yourself, but have failed miserably. Maybe you're at the end of your tether and you don't know which way to turn. Maybe you're even thinking about committing suicide. But I'm here to tell you that Jesus is the answer. The only real, the only true answer to your problems, to your situation, to your ruined life. This world and the people in this world will promise you everything and give you absolutely nothing. Jesus promises a changed life for the better and gives you everything you could ever need now and into the future. Now is the time to give Jesus a shot. After all, nobody has been able to give you true peace, true joy, true satisfaction in life until now. Sure, you can get little bits of peace, little bits of joy, little bits of love temporarily from what the world offers. You can buy something new and it gives you a bit of joy for a period of time, but then it becomes old and it becomes, um, becomes something that you perhaps don't even want anymore because it's old. It's something that you just want to discard and you have to get something else to try to replace get that little bit of joy back from what you used to have but Jesus offers a joy from within Jesus offers a joy that lasts even through the bad times you have but no one can give you peace joy and love like Jesus can and this peace this joy this love 
last for an entire lifetime. Why don't you give Jesus a try? You've got nothing to lose and absolutely everything to gain. Why don't you come to the front of the church, yeah? It might be scary, and we'll pray with you. Why don't you take a step towards Jesus? You'll never regret it, not for the rest of your life. Don't miss out on this opportunity. Don't miss out on this chance to get close to God, to actually have your life really changed, to have your life truly better than what it has been. We can lie to ourselves sometimes and think that everything's okay. We can convince ourselves that we've got a good in this world, but without Jesus, we don't have anything. And even if you've been in the church for a long time, we still need to make sure our hearts are open to Him. We need to guide our hearts. We need to make sure that we are still listening to Him. And when our hearts get hardened, that is when things start to go wrong. That's when we progressively uh, get further away from God. See, my wife cut into an onion recently, and the onion was bad, but you couldn't tell it from the outside. An onion, when it goes bad, it goes bad from the inside, from the center, and then it expands out. And uh, until the entire onion is bad. And that is what happens to us. What goes on inside of us doesn't always show on the outside. Sure, it'll show eventually. But if we're open to God's presence and we let God in, then He will refresh us and renew us. But when we come to Jesus, that is when everything changes. That is when our lives change for the better. So I invite you to come, come to the front, come talk to Jesus and he will change everything in your life. If you're on the outside, if you're not even quite sure what I'm talking about, just give Jesus a try. Just give him a chance because nothing else in the world will actually satisfy, nothing out in the world can change or cure anything that you have. Jesus is the only one that will change you. Sister Ellen, if you would lead us in a song. Why don't you come? Why don't you talk to Jesus' name? Mm-hmm.